can you believe that it's just two weeks away to the reopening of Times Square Church on September 12th? 18 months, the doors of the church have been closed. And I'm telling you, on September 12th, it's gonna be a special day. And as you heard, we're so excited, not only just to reopen, but our friend that was part of our worship night, C.C. Winans, is gonna be with us with the Times Square Church Choir. We want you to be part of it. I believe today is gonna to encourage your heart. The great reformer, Martin Luther, was plagued with questions whether God was with him during the most intense battles during the Reformation. In fact, Luther's wife watched Martin's bouts of depression and even questioned God's willingness and, his, and God's ability to keep him through the darkest times that God was using Martin to bring a Reformation in the 16th century. When without saying a word, I love this story, Katerina came out one day in, in, in full view of Martin, dressed in a, she had a black dress on, a veil. It was the outfit of a funeral. And when Luther asked his wife why she was dressed that way, listen to Katerina's words. She said, it's obvious. By the way you're acting, Martin, God is dead. That's epic. This is the reformer who is now questioning God. It's the woman who walked with Jesus through the poorest areas of Calcutta and really was the hands and feet of Jesus to the poorest of the poor that heard long bouts of depression and with acute spiritual darkness is recorded in her journals, Mother Teresa. In fact, I was reading a personal letter that Mother Teresa sent to a friend at, at, at really at one of the height of the success of what the sisters were doing right there in Calcutta. And this is what she wrote. Darkness is such that I really don't see, neither with my mind nor my reason. The place of God in my soul is blank. I feel at times there's no God in me. And when the pain of longing is so great, I just long and long for God. And then it is that I feel that God doesn't want me or he's not even there. When I cry out, my God, nothing seems to answer. This is Mother Teresa. This is Martin Luther. I have to say, we all get plagued with questions in tough times. And these last 18 months have been tough times. We, we ask ourselves at times, should I have even become a Christian? Should I have said yes to the assignment that God has given to me? Ever since I witnessed to my family, why have they turned against me? Ever since I obeyed the word of God, it's gotten really hard all the way to us asking questions. Do you even love me anymore, God? Do you exist anymore? I, on the other side, listen carefully. On the other side of a confusing question season, there's waiting something that I want to challenge you with today. There's waiting a new revelation of Jesus and great praise for his people. I want you to come with me on a journey that I want to take you on today. I want to show you two boat rides of Jesus. The first one ends with a question and the other ends with a new revelation and great praise. And I believe, stay with me now, God wants to turn your question marks today into exclamation points. I want you to see this in the life of the disciples today and how it could happen in your life. I want us to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, people are listening around New York City, around the country and around the world that have been asking question after question in a dark season of their life 
And I believe today, God, this is gonna become an exclamation point day that what used to be a question is now gonna be a shout. And I believe this in Jesus' name, amen. Let, let me give you the principle before I get to the boat rides. First Peter 1, 6 through 7 says this, in this, you greatly rejoice, even though now, this is, the, this is the question season, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed, and that usually calls, causes the questions, distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found, here it comes, to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. One paraphrase says it like this, may the thought of this cause you to jump for the joy that even though lately you had to put up with the grief of many trials, but your authentic faith is going to result in more praise when Jesus is revealed. And I, I, I want us to get to that shout moment, that exclamation point moment, so stay with me. I believe those closest to Jesus will get plagued with faith questions in their most difficult times. I, I, I believe that the Apostle Peter writes this to Christians in difficult times and tells them at the end of these difficulties, there is gonna be revelation and there is gonna be praise. Praise and not simply questions can be at the end of these kind of battles. And today, I want those question marks to turn into exclamation points. And you're gonna see that in the story. So let me take you to the two boat rides and take you through two storms with the disciples. The first storm and boat ride ends with the question, and the second one, that's the distressing part that Peter talks about, and the second one ends with an exclamation point. And we're gonna learn how we can turn those questions into the praise, the new revelation of Jesus and the praise. Here's the first storm of the disciples. It was the beginning of the questions that they had as, as we begin to read this. This is Matthew chapter eight. Here's what it says. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. Here comes a storm now. So that the boat was being covered with the waves, but Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and awoke him saying, save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? He got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly, perfectly calm. Think about this now. Great storm on the sea, boat is covered by the waves, Jesus is asleep, and the disciples are fearful. I, I, I wanna just even give you something that Mark adds to the story when he wakes Jesus up. Mark says, when they woke him up, they asked him, to. this is where the question started. They said, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? Listen to that question. Teacher, Jesus, don't you even care that, that, that we could perish at this moment. Jesus gets up, rebukes the wind and the sea, and it becomes perfectly calm. What comes next is shocking to me. This is that storm season, the question season. Uh, don't, don't you care is what they say. And he, listen to this now, because I thought this would answer that question. The, don't you care, Jesus? But in a sense, it created more questions. Listen to the end of the story. The men were amazed and said, what kind of man is this? That even the seas and the winds obey him. Winds rebuked, it becomes calm, and all you have to say at the end of this is, what kind of man is this? I, I, that, that became just puzzling to me. 
that you'd end a miracle, you'd end a storm season, get the miracle, and you still end with a question. You almost see that happening with Luther and Mother Teresa. Uh, Let me give you another individual. I want to introduce you to a man who started as an exclamation point man, but because of a storm, he turns into a question mark man. That's John the Baptist. John the Baptist was that exclamation point man from the beginning of his ministry. His life was known for introducing and baptizing the Son of God. Listen to it. And in my Bible, the punctuation is there. John 1, the next day he, John, saw Jesus coming to him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, exclamation point. Again, verse 35, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. He looked at Jesus as he walked and said, behold, the Lamb of God. Two exclamation points of this man. Then, watch this now, something happens. A storm starts to distort the Lamb of God. Conditions start to determine his perspective on who Jesus is. This is Matthew chapter 11. Just a few chapters. It's really in between the disciples' two storms because the first storm is in Matthew 8. Second storm is in Matthew 14. And right in the middle of this, you have a man that moves from exclamation to question. Listen to what it says. Now, when John in prison heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the expected one or should we look for somebody else? First thing that comes to my mind when I read this passage is what happened to the exclamation points of John chapter one. Did you notice that John ends now, not with an exclamation point, but a question in verse two. Are you the expected one or should we look for someone else? And now I kept thinking to myself, how does that happen? How, how does how do you go from the, you are the lamb of God to are you the expected one? How does that happen? I think it all hinges on two huge words. Two words, I believe, created the question. Here it is. Let me read it to you. Now, John, here it comes. Here are the two huge words. In prison. Those two words, I believe, change the whole perspective of John on what he thinks of Jesus. His exclamation point. Let me, if I could say it this way, an exclamation point, that straight line with a with a dot on the end just got punched in the gut and now the exclamation point is doubled over and almost seems to turn into a question mark. Here's what we need to remember and John needed to know. We may change, our circumstances may change, things may change, life may change, but God doesn't. If Jesus was the lamb, John the Baptist two years earlier, Prison doesn't change you. Your circumstances changed, but Jesus didn't change. John let those two words, in prison, decide his new definition of who Jesus really is. He is the Lamb of God. We can't let stuff and circumstances and what we're in define the Jesus that we love and serve. Let me me just explain to you. Jesus doesn't change even though I'm in trouble or in debt. You may be in a divorce or in a wheelchair. You may be in court today while you're listening to this or I'm in rehab. I'm in the hospital. I'm in quarantine. I'm in 
hot water. How about this one? I'm incarcerated. But with all that's going on, hey, good news for you. You could still be in Christ. That's what makes it amazing here for us. Now, here it comes because the in doesn't change God because something changed in my life or circumstances changed. Now, here it comes. Here comes the new revelation and praise that Peter talks about. Jesus's response to John the Baptist is, is amazing. In fact, it gave me a new revelation of who Jesus is when I read the story and put a praise in my mouth for who God is. And, and this wasn't even my battle. I, and I thought to myself, John, you, you better understand that you can praise him because of this. You just got a brand new revelation. You knew the Lamb of God, but now you're about to see something brand new. Let me read down a few verses to verse 10. You ready for this? Jesus says these words. This is the one. This is Jesus speaking about John the Baptist. This is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Verse 11. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has never arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Okay, folks, stay with me now. John is in the worst position he has ever been physically, mentally, and spiritually. And Jesus says that this doesn't change, John, on how I think about you. Jesus was saying, your questions about me does not mean that my feelings towards you have changed. Just because you doubted me, you don't have to doubt that I love you, that I'm there. This is what blew me away. Jesus gives the highest statement of John after the lowest statement of John. No one has ever been told you've been born, has been born greater than John after, after who are you really? Think about that. Jesus just said, nobody has been born of women that has arisen that is greater than John. Jesus said this after John's question. Mother, Mother Teresa is wondering, does Jesus even love me after reading this story? I can answer that for you, Mother Teresa. Yes, he does. Has, will God deliver me from this trial, Martin Luther asked? I can answer that. Yes, he will. If Jesus is saying no one has been born greater than John, he hasn't announced he's the Lamb of God since two years he hasn't baptized him. He hasn't worked a miracle. He hasn't preached a sermon. He has questioned if Jesus is the Messiah. And he says this about John. No one has been born greater. Oh my goodness. A revelation of Jesus saying that even if I change, the son of God doesn't. Even if, even if I begin to have things happen to me and I find myself in hot water or in a difficult situation, I'm so grateful that God is still the same. Just like Hebrews 13, 8, 8, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whether you're announcing he's the Lamb of God in John 1 or you're in prison in Matthew chapter 11, he's the Lamb of God. Now, here we come. I wanna take you to the second storm in Matthew 14. And I want you to get ready for that new revelation and that great praise that's to come. Jesus is about to take them through another boat ride in a storm. Listen to verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat, go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. I, ha I have to pause here because it almost kind of made me laugh when it says that, that he made the disciples get into the boat. Think, just six chapters earlier in the book of Matthew, 
I wonder if one of them was just saying to themselves, wait a second, remember what happened on the last boat ride? I'm not getting in this one. And that's maybe why it says Jesus made them get into that boat. He made them, means he knows what's best for them. And in fact, Jesus knows what's best because Jesus knew it was on the other side. That was on the other side of the first boat ride was the question, who is this man who can who can calm waters and stop and stop winds? But there's something better on the other side of this. And he needed them to be on that boat. Let me read you the story. Verse 23, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance away from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Amazing to me that their exclamation point is a distortion of who Jesus is. But immediately Jesus spoke to them. Immediately. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said to Simon Peter, come. Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. Verse 30 says, but seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, took hold of him and said to him, you men of little faith, why did you doubt? Why, why this boat test again? Boat in a storm, boat in a storm. We're getting the same test, but I think it's gonna end, it is gonna end differently. It's gonna end with the exclamation point. I, I, I understand this. I know when God was, was speaking to Pastor Carter, our general overseer, that, that Cindy and I were supposed to come to Times Square Church in New York City. Nobody knew about this boat ride, that there would be a pandemic and a volatile election, civil unrest, riots on our street, even all around the church, glass and windows broken from the, from the riots that took place. That the church, we didn't know when we said yes, the church would be shut down for 18 months. That was, that was the boat ride we were saying yes to. And I think if we would have known that, Jesus would make us get on that boat when we said yes to TSC, sometimes in the midst of these last 18 months, I was going like, this is not a boat. This is the t Titanic, as you start to think about it. And I'm thinking to myself how crazy this is, because this is what's interesting. Because I even thought about this on, on where we were. Did you notice the language the Bible uses before Jesus makes them get in the boat? Here's the word. It just simply says this. They were satisfied. Pastor Tim, what's that from? It's verse 20 before the boat story starts. The Bible says they all ate and were satisfied. It was the story of the feeding of the, of the 5,000. I think the disciples were part of the all that ate and were satisfied and even had leftovers. I just have to tell you, watch out when you get comfortable in your Christian walk. You may be getting tickets coming on StubHub for your next boat ride to kind of disturb a little bit of the comfortability. See, when you become a Christian, it is the greatest thing that can ever happen in your life, but it is the most challenging thing. The words of C.S. Lewis have always um, come back to my heart when I find myself getting comfortable. Lewis said this, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. But if you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, Lewis says, I don't recommend Christianity. Think, think of the boat ride. David Wilkerson had to take from Pennsylvania in a quiet community there to go to the gangs of New York. Think of Pastor Carter Conlon in Riceville, Canada, and God goes, you have a boat ride going to New York. 
Dr. Teresa Conlin, who's here in New York City with Pastor Carter and says, I need you to take over Summit International School of the Ministry. This is God's challenge. And I have to just tell you, welcome to Jesus's boat ride. Maybe I could say it like this, all aboard, because that boat is gonna be leaving for those that are willing to obey what God has next. That's where we are in New York City. That's where the disciples are on these boat rides. Because sometimes we think that once we become a Christian, we, we kind of get a detour around difficulties, a get out of jail free card, but that's, that's not what it means to be a Christian. You will get those dark times that will be filled with questions like Luther, like Mother Teresa. I've had them. We've all had them in difficult times. I, I, I was reading the crazy story. They wanted to see if people really read the fine print before they, they go all in and check a box. There was a, one of the airports in London decided that people never read the terms and conditions of, of anything when they're, when they're clicking, um, to maybe for Wi-Fi or anything else. And so they did an experiment in one of the London airports. And it's, and it was this. If you want free Wi-Fi, um, all you have to do is click the box for the terms and agreement. The terms and an agreement said in fine print that you had to give us your first child. Obviously, they weren't going to do that, but they just wanted to prove it. And they said, nobody disputed that. To get free Wi-Fi, they gave up their firstborn um, to get free Wi-Fi because none of them read the fine print. Let, let me help you with fine print. You know what's interesting? One of the definitions of the word Testament will surprise you, like New Testament. Do you know that the term New Testament actually could mean new contract? Think about this. How much attention have you given to the terms and conditions of God's contract, the New Testament, with you? I want to read to you some of the fine print, what happens when you follow Jesus. Think about those boat rides. Here it is, John 16, 33, the fine print. Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. But in this world, right now, you're going to have tribulation. Fine print, but take courage. Hallelujah. I've overcome the world. Why, why were the disciples made, made to get into the boat again? God in the flesh, Jesus, was going to turn their question marks into exclamation points. Remember 1 Peter 1, 6-7, revelation and praise is going to be at the end of this boat ride. And in Matthew 14, I want to give you how it ended. The Bible says when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat, here it comes, folks, worshipped him, saying, exclamation point, you are certainly God's son. That's incredible. How they went from who is this man to you are certainly God's son this is the place that God wants to bring, that God wanted to bring them. This is where God wanted to turn question marks into exclamation points, not only for them, but for all of us. And I want to help you do that even in your own life. You may be watching, listening around New York City, around the country, around the world, faced maybe in the southern part of the United States and different parts of the world that is getting hit by Delta variant and other variants of, of COVID, going on another lockdown, another shutdown. And I want to just tell you, God wants to end this thing with an exclamation point. And I, I, I want to walk you through it because I want you to remember these things about the Son of God because I think these things is what helps us get to that point. Remember this, he is praying for you. He is calling you and he is listening to you right now. That when conditions are adverse, Jesus is my intercessor. Jesus is still speaking to his people and Jesus 
answers prayer. Let me just walk you through those very quickly. One, Jesus is praying for you. Never think that absence is inactive. Just because you don't see him doesn't mean that he is not active in your life. Jesus is my intercessor. He is praying for me and for you right now. Hebrews 7.25, that he is able to save them from the uttermost that come unto God, seeing he, Jesus, ever liveth to make intercession for them. Salvation and intercession gladdens my heart. What did Jesus do after sending the disciples and making them, not sending them, making them get on that boat? We can't ignore this. This is what it says. He went up on the mountain himself to pray. Verse 23, I have my intercessor. Verse 24, I have a storm. That's what it says. So he goes up on the mountain in verse 23 to pray. Verse 24, the storm comes, battered by the waves. See, and here's what it says. The boat was a long distance from land. They felt disconnected from Jesus. And though seemingly absent, he is active. He is praying. And I believe he is praying for them. You know, this is so powerful from the old Scottish preacher, Robert Murray McShane, whose Bible plan that I use every single day. These words comforted me. Listen to what he said. I, I lean on these words many times when I feel that boat has created, a boat ride has created distance between me and the Savior. And, and, and sometimes you feel that even my obedience, where is he? Listen to this. Though inactive, he is, he is, although, though we feel like he's inactive, he, he is, and, and absent, he is interceding for us. Listen to what Murray McShane says. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Listen to this now. Yet distance makes no difference to him. He is praying for me. Hebrews 7.25, right now. Hallelujah. You may feel like the disciples. He's a long way off. It doesn't matter how you feel. He is praying for us. You are never fighting alone. You may are never alone struggling at those oars. He is praying for you. When you feel like you're getting nowhere on those oars, he's praying for you. When you feel like your sons and daughters are going nowhere, he is praying for you. And he is there with you. But the second part is this. He's calling you. I want you to, to remember this. Listen for the voice of God in every storm. Listen for the voice of God in every storm. Not only is he praying, he's calling. Listen to what it says in verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, this was their exclamation point, which is the wrong one because we wanted to get to certainly you are the son of God, but they started off with it is a ghost and they cried out in fear. And it says in verse 27, but immediately, Jesus spoke to that phrase, it is a ghost, saying, take courage. It is I, do not be afraid. I love that Jesus' response to it is a ghost remark, he didn't let that statement stand. Immediately, as soon as they said, this is who you are, immediately he stands right up and Jesus speaks to their distortion, speaks truth to that distortion. Because what fear does is fear makes you define, misdefine things. You don't see them for what they are. Fear turned Jesus in their minds into a ghost. How, how does that happen, Pastor Tim? When, when you believe a myth and not God, 
When you have Christians that will believe in a horoscope or a palm reader or someone that supposedly could tell the future or believe that someone put a curse on your life, let, let me just help you on this for a moment. What they were believing was a myth. That's why they went to it. That, that's why the ghost statement comes up. It's not as crazy as you think. They were leaning on lore. They were leaning on, on folklore instead of leaning on the words of Jesus. It is I. They, they chose folklore instead of the words of Jesus. You ready for this? The fourth watch of the night was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. and considered to be the darkest, the darkest part of the night. And the folklore of that time is that when a storm comes on the water, it's from the demonic world that it was hell coming against them. And that's why they said, King James says, it's a spirit. This version says it is a ghost. Why? Because that was the folklore. They chose to, to listen to myths and stories, false narratives, instead of the true word of God. My question is this, who else could it be? You just multiply fishes and loaves. And here comes the new revelation. They knew Jesus walking on land, but they've never seen the walking on water Jesus. See, this is where a new revelation is coming. They knew Jesus, the bread multiplier. They knew the healing Jesus, the storm stopping Jesus, the demon delivering Jesus, but they've never seen the Jesus that walks on water. It didn't fit their previous profile of him. Here comes new revelation because storms that we go through introduce new revelations of who he is. Remember this song for some of us older folks that have been through a lot of storms. Remember this song from Andre Crouch called Through It All? Verse three of that song goes, I thank God for the mountains. I thank God for the valleys. I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. Why, Andre? For if I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. I would never know what faith in God can do. And then Andre sings, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, here it comes, I've learned to depend upon his word. What was the word? It is I. Not folklore, three to 6 a.m. If the storm comes, it's a demon, it's a ghost, it's a spirit. Jesus goes, it's I, they chose. So then God brings sometimes storms to bring those new revelations. When he's, when Andre says, if I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve him. You know what that was? That was new revelation talk. That's what it was. Let me close with this. Jesus is listening. Not only is he praying, not only is he speaking, but he's listening. Instead of Peter simply listening to Jesus say, it is I, it's me, Peter. Peter makes this crazy request. Here it comes. Immediately Jesus spoke, take courage. This is after the ghost statement. It's I, don't be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, questioning his word, then command me to come to you on the water. So they trusted folklore, and now Peter wants proof, myth and proof. It, when Jesus said, it's me, it is I, it should be case closed, but Peter wanted more evidence. I want to share a, a, just a, a personal journey reading through this story. This, this is my personal opinion. I believe until this week, I think I've got it wrong. 
I, I mean, I've preached this portion of Peter walking on the water. I think I've gotten it wrong for many, many, many years. I, I, I have rethought the Peter walking on water request. And I used, I used to challenge the 11 in the boat. I've preached messages on the 11 that stayed in the boat and Peter got to walk on water. I used to praise Peter and I used to rebuke the 11 in the boat. But I think I got it backwards. I really do. The 11 said Jesus, the 11 men in the boat said Jesus saying, it is me, it's I, that's enough. Peter saying when Jesus said, it's me, Peter said, that's not enough, I need something more. See, the word of God is powerful, it's powerful. Peter said, I need more to believe this. I, I want you to get this now. Folks, I heard a story this week that filled my heart with joy and I can't wait to share it with you, of someone who heard just simply God speak and literally her whole world was, was, was changed. It's one of the most amazing stories I've heard even during this pandemic. I wanna tell you of a precious woman from the Middle East. I, I, wanna, I wanna keep out names and I wanna keep out countries for security reasons. This woman grew up as a devout Muslim in the Middle East and followed many of its traditions and practices, and then in the midst of it, found it became a dead end for her, just kept asking questions. And then all of a sudden, anxiety, depression, and even suicide began to rock her world while she was a pediatrician resident. She went to medications and intoxicated herself with heavy drinks, even smoked cannabis to ease her pain, but nothing worked. In fact, nothing worked to help her through this. Even her religion didn't help her. That she said, I decided at that point, while in my residency, I don't believe in anything. And she said, that didn't work either. We have her permission to tell this story, but we want to protect identity and country because of where it took place at. God took this precious woman, turned her question marks of being an agnostic in the Middle East into exclamation points. During the peak of the pandemic, last year, she came across on YouTube, Times Square Church, and started, and she heard that there was hope in Jesus. And at the end of a message, like we do every single time, and we'll do it here, we give people that opportunity to, for the exclamation point, you certainly are the son of God. She, she took that next step, that first step, and wanted to be born again, all the way from the Middle East. Not only did God give her a new life, but healed her from all those inner pains that she no longer needs to medicate herself, drink alcohol, or smoke cannabis because Jesus has changed her from the inside out. And despite so much that, it, that it's going on there in the Middle East and what she is faced with right now, she decided not only to follow Jesus halfway around the world, but here's what blew me away. This Saturday, while we had over 400 volunteers, ready for this, meeting to get ready for the reopening on September 12th, we had 350 in the building, 70 plus online to get us ready for reopening. And guess who is one of the 70 plus online? This woman that God delivered of thousands of miles away from the Middle East saying, not only have I been changed, but I wanna be part of changing other people's lives. This, this is incredible of what God has done and what God can do. She listened to God's word and that was enough. She was able to go and believe for God to do something so amazing inside of that. That's why we're believing for this precious woman to become part of a connect group. That's why we're asking you to lead even a connect group 
because we're seeing people, this happen to people around the world. And what, what, what global connect groups do for us, folks, it allows us not to be limited to a zip code, but we have people that have connect groups with people from all different parts of the world. Some of them, some of them meet in person, some of them meet online, but that's why even for this precious woman of God that has been born again in a, in a country that is hostile to Christianity, this woman that has taken that, those next steps, to walk with Jesus and now serving Jesus and now part of inviting others. She is now serving on our volunteer team and and helping as an online host, just as she was helped, now she's helping others. This excites my heart. When I think of Peter wanting more evidence that I have to walk, I have to do this. Your word is not enough unless you make me walk on water. I won't believe your word. When I hear those words, let me walk on water, I don't think this is about the boldness of Peter. I think it's about the patience of Jesus to get us to where we need to be. And the patience of Jesus is simply said, come, get out of the boat. Because even Peter's experiment really didn't work. When he saw the winds and the wave, became frightened and began to sink and said, Lord, save me. Because Jesus, because Peter didn't believe the simple words, it is I. He needed to pray. I love this. He didn't believe it is I, but he needed to pray his own three words. Here they come. When he started to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And here's what's amazing. That's enough. I started to realize prayer doesn't have to be long to be effective. It just has to be real. And Lord, save me is enough. That's why the end of the story ends in verse 33 with, and those, when they got it back into the boat, you have you have wet Peter all, all from sinking. You have the 11 disciples who have all announced it's a ghost. And when they finally got into the boat, they worshiped him and said, you are certainly God's son. They go from a question mark to an exclamation point. And today, I believe that same thing can happen. Just as it happened to that precious sister in the Middle East, I believe there's some people watching from the Middle East that God wants to get a hold of you. That the questions you've had about the Lamb of God dying on the cross for your sins, something is living in your heart today and he wants to turn the questions into an exclamation point. You may be watching even right around the city and maybe the religion that you, that you have given your whole life for because your parents were involved with it have hit dead ends. And then all of a sudden you've realized that this Jesus thing is real. It's not a religion, it's a person. It's someone who's gonna change me from the inside out. And today, you can move from who is this man to certainly you are the son of God. Pastor Tim, how, how does that happen? How do I start that journey? Jesus calls that journey from John chapter three, having a new relationship. It's not simply going to church or, or, or I wanna be water baptized or I have to have communion or I have to be in the building. Jesus says that's not where it starts. He says in John 3, 3, something has to change. And this is what he says, that if any man or any woman in John 3, 3, listen to it now, wants to see the kingdom of heaven, they have to be born again. Those are Jesus's words. Those words are so epic. Because what Jesus was saying was this, just as you had a first birth, you need a second birth. Just as you were born physically the first time, you need to be born spiritually the second time. And that can happen right now. Today could be that exclamation point day.
that heaven rejoices. Today, that can happen. Pastor Tim, how do I start that journey? How do I start it before September 12th, the church doors aren't open? You could start it right now while you're watching. Here's how it starts. It's as simple as ABC. Those three letters all correspond to a word that I want to just help you on your journey. A, it's admitting that I'm a sinner. It's when I get honest with God that all of us, including myself, have a condition called sin and we can't fix it ourselves. There's not a program you can go to that will fix it, a priest or a pastor. There's not a a, a promise you can make. We need help to fix it. The diagnosis is sin and I have to admit that I'm a sinner. That's where it starts. Well, Pastor Tim, then how does that take place? How do we do that? I heard one man say it like this. We don't need a second chance. We need a second birth. How does that second birth happen? That's the B word, believe. Believe that God sent his son to fix that sinful condition since I can't fix myself. If I could fix myself by being good, then why would Jesus ever have to come and die on the cross for me? I couldn't do it. That's why God the Father sent him down. Jesus' death was Jesus becoming my sin bearer. He died a death that I was supposed to die, lived a life that I couldn't live and gave me a reward that I didn't deserve, forgiveness and heaven. And then finally, it's confess. Confessing him as Lord. That word is so important because it means you're the boss. Now, Romans 10, 9 and 10 speak about that we declare, confess Jesus as Lord. Why is that word important? Religion asks for a couple hours on a Sunday. Religion, in a sense, ruins the weekend. Jesus doesn't want your weekend. Jesus wants every day. That's what he wants. Religion asks for hours. Jesus asks every day for a relationship. It's not about a day of the week. It's about a relationship that you walk with him. When you say and confess that Jesus is Lord, saying you have veto rights over everything that I'm doing, you're in charge now. I find everything I need is found in him. Well, Pastor Tim, how does that happen? Just as Peter said, Lord, save me. And the hand of Jesus brought him up. That's the patience of Jesus. Today, if your heart cry is, Lord, save me. I want to be born again. He can rescue wherever you're watching from right now. I, I, I want to just lead you in a prayer, a born again prayer to start that journey. It, it, you may say, well, I'm not perfect, Pastor Tim. Here's the joy. Perfect people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And that can happen today. What, what do you want me to do, Pastor? I, I want you just to pray with me. Just like that precious woman did from the Middle East last year. And people are doing this every single Sunday. I want you to join with us. Wherever you're at right now, would you close your eyes and pray this with me? Wherever you are, come on, you could do it as a family. You could do it as an individual. You may be a student or a grandparent. You may be a, a Muslim that has questions and wondering what's next. And then all of a sudden you're going, my questions about Jesus today can turn into exclamation points. Certainly he is the son of God that came to die for my sins. And I want to make him Lord of my life. Come on, if you want to start that journey, I want you to pray this with me today. Dear Lord Jesus, come on, say it out loud. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven. 
a purpose on earth and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on now, say it with me now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.